Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler. Uh, joining me today are, of course, Janice Min and Richard Rushfield. And we have a special guest to start today. Actress uh, Rebecca Metz has joined us. Rebecca, thanks for uh, joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Good to have some more Jersey on the podcast, finally. Yeah. I've, I've been pitching Janice and Richard for, for weeks now. You know, listen, <laughs> the one thing this podcast needs, a little Two more Jersey. Two is the limit representation matters you know <laughs> thank you exactly rebecca um so uh rebecca was a part of um nicole laporte's latest edition of her uh series the squeeze which uh focused on actors this week which we'll get to in a moment but it kind of coincides with the larger theme we heard a lot of on earnings calls this week we're in the middle of a uh, q4 season which is efficiency janice which uh what's that a fancy word for janice uh layoffs um yeah yeah doing more with less maybe doing more with less cutbacks uh like we're not gonna spend i think the term richard always uses drunken sailors we're not going to spend (laughs) like drunken sailors we're not gonna pursue a metaverse no one wants maybe things like that yeah that's you know richard it's probably gotta be a term you love to hear on uh, on calls as well i would imagine seeing seeing through the lines there richard yeah i mean the, the the thing about efficiency, I mean, uh, of course, there's there's uh, plenty of waste in, the, in 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 any studio, and and plenty of uh, corporate jets that could be uh, <laughs> could be leased out elsewhere. But um, it's always a dream of of what of of we're just going to make the hits, and right. why 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 don't we why do we why do we spend all this money on flops, and why do we exactly. and. And if 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 only uh, we could just invent this algorithm that told us exactly what people are going to want to watch for the people next have ten tried. years. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so just to recap the week a little bit briefly. Uh, so first with Paramount and Showtime, or Paramount Plus and Showtime combining to be more efficient. That's definitely going to mean layoffs in the next few weeks. Uh, their earnings call earnings call is going to in a couple of weeks. Uh, then we had Sean, remind, Sean, remind everyone yeah. what the what the what the name of the new combo service Sorry, is. Paramount Plus with Showtime, not Paramount Plus Showtime. Paramount Plus with Showtime yeah. is now the name of a TV network. So how's that going to fit on the logo? Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I that's said. That's a my, tough logo. In the wake up this week, I said the uh, the honor video graphics department would like to have a word with you, please, about this. Um, so so that just that just sounds like uh, the the meeting they were having for the the rebranding meeting just. <laughs> They they ran out of time and someone else needed yeah. to use the conference room and they had to all get out of there. So that that was the, that that was what they were left with. Was... Efficiency, Richard. Efficiency of time. Very yeah. important. Time and time is money. Uh, then Spotify certainly used that a lot on their earnings call, meaning that they're uh, saying, you know, we had a piece on this as well, Janice from ESG on podcasts being uh, need to be more efficient about our podcast spending and uh, overall sense there as well. That, so that means less, fewer Harry and Megans? Uh, uh, definitely. Um, uh, the Obamas have already left. Audible is kind of the new Spotify and deal-making these days. Uh, so everybody's going to Audible now. The Amazon checkbook is open for, for podcasts, but Spotify's is not. Um, by the way, I got a note from someone very smart this morning who said, and I would agree that the story about the podcasting train wreck or the gold rush crashing and burning, which is, I think, the headline and the forces that led to it was one of entertainment strategy guys, finest pieces ever. I would tend to agree. It was, it was excellent. Yes. Check that out at the anchor.com, of course. Um, but yes, looking at the outlining gold rushes, Janice, really, which was kind of the theme of it, of like how these things work. 
of, you know, no barrier to entry, uh, you know, anybody can do it. And these, you know, things that kind of contribute to that mentality. And at some point, every one of these things, whether he had a, he had a list there in the piece about, you know, Ugh, I loved the list examples of, uh, of the podcast boom and buster buster. Please. Yes. The things that everyone said were going to be like the <laughs> right. next thing. Okay. From, from the last decade, um, sports gambling, right. Marijuana legalization, <laughs> still going, uh, virtual reality, mm-hmm. subscription boxes, Sure. And then <laughs> scooters. <laughs> yeah. The pile is high on that, unfortunately, of uh, in the trash heap of the, the line. Anyone want to buy a lime scooter? Anybody? Um, well, periodically, they like, you know, remember, well, not maybe not in New York, but certainly in L.A., you would find like three of them ganged up out <laughs> in the driveway. Someone just like dumped them there. Like yeah. no longer. You know, they're, yeah. they're gone. Yeah, I would even add live chats uh, onto that, uh, whether that be Green Room at Spotify or um, I can't think of the name of the app now. What was the big uh, pandemic app? Uh, Clubhouse, of course, was the oh, next. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that was the next big thing. Clubhouse, uh, you know, back in everybody, everybody was doing was, was going to change everything. Twitter Spaces, uh, yes, the big name thing is live audio, which we used to call radio. Uh, now, <laughs> different. <laughs> Well, it's old as new again. So, uh, and then of course, Mr. Zuckerberg capped it off at Facebook. Uh, I swear to you, Janice, I didn't count it. I didn't want to want to count it. They said efficiency. I mean, he said it was the year of efficiency himself as the quote. Um, but they must have said it over a hundred times on that call, and I was just like, oh boy, you know, I'm really wow. driving this home here. I'm like, and at Facebook, I think that's more. You're going to work a lot harder. Uh, efficiency meaning less people, and we expect you to do more with the same amount or less uh, people to do it with. And he brought out the, one of my favorite management tropes that the problem why we never communicate well in management is because we have too many people, not because we're bad at communicating, you know? And I'm like, Oh, with less people, we'll make faster decisions. I'm like, I don't think the, uh, that's really why decisions are slow at big companies, but uh, you know, that's one reason to justify, you know, the 11,000 layoffs uh, that were out there, Janice as well. Wow. That's just staggering. But I thought we should also note something that got real efficient was um, worth noting was Gawker closing. I don't know. Does right? anyone care? Uh, you know, it wasn't a lead story anywhere. Uh, if this is for the second time, it's the bigger context here. The Bustle Media Group, which bought Gawker for, I believe, like $1.5 million back in the late 2010s with a plan to revive it and make Gawker great again, uh, relaunched in 2021. And a year and a half later, it's now closed again. And the bustle also laid off about 8%. Again, that magic number, 7 to 8% of their staff, which every company has the same CFO and is doing the same financial forecast uh, to a T. So they laid off that as well. So yes, Gawker 2.0 is, is no longer. Richard, do you have Richard as an alum of? Oh, Gawker, I didn't know. Proud this. Gawker yeah. alum, or not? Not proud oh, Gawker alum. Richard, take alum, the mic, but, please. Uh, uh, the eulogy, if you the, will. Again, um, yeah, you know, the, the the new Gawker actually wasn't bad as as a blog. It was just who's reading blogs anymore. It was just it it, <laughs> right. it was just a concept whose uh, time had passed. It was it was it was less nasty than the original Gawker that I worked for, mm. um, and. Uh, it it, it 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 had some funny writers and pieces every day, but it's just 
um, what are these what are what are these things that you just have to know when the audience has moved on to something else and then blogging is just not where not not where the world is apparently and uh, well I think it was probably also advertisers were too just still lived in the in fear of whatever Mm. you know residual hangover was from the Gawker lawsuit and probably yeah. probably just became hard to financially support. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, 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 existence they, is never great. So yeah, it, it, in my time, they went and made that name uh, toxic enough that uh, a thousand years from now, people will be afraid to have the Gawker name uh, anywhere, anywhere near their brand. So yeah. uh, that's, 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 that's a long rehabilitation road for them. There's a few brands back then, Jenna. Radar was another one back then. Uh, what are the yeah. <laughs> give me a memory lane of uh, this time period? I guess I don't know what the things were. Any other that I'm like, Silicon oh. Alloy became insider, yeah, I guess, Hilton, eventually. Right? Prince I mean, Hilton, there's another one. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. I mean, it someone was, yeah. It was of an era. What was it, Richard? Yeah. I mean, someone, it's about time that someone's going to come up with the the by buzzfeed and figure out how to do a uh that that buzzfeed uh 2.0 is uh, is upon us well, that, that's gonna be run by uh, chatbots now richard so yeah, uh you know good, exactly. good this is gonna take over i think so uh their stock has been up they were below a dollar for a long time their stock has popped uh, uh i don't know maybe 400 uh over the past week because they said they were gonna have chatbots uh write articles now i said no sorry Very not right not Exactly. Right back to efficiency. Not write articles, Janice. They're going to help the writers write articles. To be clear, I mean they're not firing writers. So just make for the for the record. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't know I, some some fine people that work there, but yeah. uh, the the typical BuzzFeed uh, piece that you 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 that you grab off the shelf, I I I don't really know that computers could could make that bring that down too far. Oh well, God! I'm, I'm oh. sorry to say, man, it's a listicle. Richard's a very, it's an art form. Richard, I don't yeah. know. Come on. Uh, and also, another former employer of mine. So, <laughs> well, you could you could name any media entity, and Richard will have worked there. So, probably written at some I, point, I, so. I have I have worked at all the publications. <laughs> Quite a run. Uh, it is worth noting that Comcast, who invested in BuzzFeed uh, to a pretty big degree back in when BuzzFeed was. I would say BuzzFeed it was BuzzFeed in the mid 2010s. Uh, sold high, uh, a good five percent of their stake this week because, you know, well, yeah. sold high but selling extremely low. Oh yes, yeah, sorry, sold okay. high for what it is now. Yes, the uh, to be clear, the BuzzFeed went public at about ten dollars a share. It fell to below a dollar back at the end of 2022. It now rose to about maybe three fifty, uh, and it was about two fifty when when. Uh, Maybe uh, Comcast sold. So, yes. So Comcast's not... initial investment was. Yeah, in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Hundreds of millions of dollars. So, yes. it's, it's so it was it's, their vice. It's, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Not, not or they, I think they also did. Uh, they probably also have. And might have money in vice, too. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah. Wait, but so, you, I thought. Anyway. I, so, I liked your headline this morning on your wake up newsletter, Sean, where you talked about the Fang companies. And mm. for those who don't know what Fang is, tell people what Fang is. Well, it's actually now Mang, I guess, really. So uh, the F was Facebook, so that's now Meta. So if you oh, want to really be technical about yeah. it. Uh, so Meta, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. So uh, And are... you declared a winner among, an unlikely winner from the fangs. Yeah, for earnings season. I mean, look, Netflix is nowhere as large as those companies. Those companies grew, you know, much larger than Netflix. That, that, that term was coined, you know, back probably a good 10 years ago at this point, I would imagine. 
um, as kind of the, the five new leaders of the NASDAQ and, and things like that. So to be clear, they're much bigger companies, but from results, you know, Netflix beat expectations, their stock had popped on it and they had a bigger, they had more revenue this quarter than this fourth quarter than last fourth quarter, none of which any of those other companies can claim. Um, so if you're going to, you know, Facebook had a large pop on their, on their stock because they essentially, you know, we thought the sky was falling and it's only half falling. So, yay, you know, that was kind of the, the reason for that, exactly, uh, exuberance. But I wouldn't say it was like, oh, business is great. It was more like, oh, it's not as bad as we thought it was, where Netflix is on all objective merits, had a great quarter. So to them, that that they, my, my stamp goes to them for the quarter, at least, for whatever that's worth. Well, so this might be a, maybe a good segue into Rebecca, because Netflix is a very efficiently run company one could say right uh, they're yeah they don't use that they, they don't recall them using that term thankfully on their earnings call so we'll, we'll say at least but, that much R- but. richard can you just tee us up here like what how just before we talk to rebecca because i i we want to find out how this personally has impacted her and people in her profession um a- a- actors but just what did, when netflix came to town how did deals change you know, so so uh, the 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 big picture was that when you when you made a deal with a show, when you when you went on a show, you were you were sort of a part owner of it. That you received a, a piece of the profits and the uh, and the continuing lifespan of of the show. Netflix, uh, the the big change was Netflix came in and when the Netflix deals is they they buy out everything, they pay you a fee for your work, and that's and that's that, and you have nothing more coming. Um, but then there's the other half of it that, that with that, they, they introduced sort of much more chaos into a, into a, into a relatively stable, uh, world of, of, of programming where, where, see, where there was a lot more shows, but, but seasons became much shorter shows didn't last as long. So it just getting, you know, getting, getting cast, I, I think Rebecca says is, is a big deal. Uh, to get cast on a show, and that's the you, know, you have to go through a lot to get there, and that's and that's a that's a big accomplishment. And used to be, you get cast on a show, you have a, a decent chance of uh, being involved in something that will support you for for a number of years. There, you know, there's no guarantee that any show would last, but but you had a had a shot at it. And now you're getting on a show is just like, well, maybe I have three weeks work for this thing that might reappear for another three weeks two years from now and then who knows after that and there's no there's there's kind of no bigger prize to to to, to shoot for uh beyond be you know becoming brad pitt right yeah or your your show may not even air now all these shows <laughs> you may have done a show i mean granted you're, you're paid actors you're, you're paid for it but you know you may get a call from your agent being like yeah that's not going to air uh, or whatever it might be, you know, it's been pulled. You know, I mean, if you had friends, has that happened to you, Rebecca? Or have you had friends at part of a show that has uh, gone through this very odd turn of events in the past six months? Wait, but hold on, Rebecca, oh. before you oh. answer, can we properly introduce you? Oh, well, certainly. Yes, Rebecca is a successful working actress for over 20 years in, in Hollywood. So congratulations on that, number one, Rebecca. Thanks. So, yes. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, has uh, been on... And, I, sure. Uh, when, when I... So, um, Rebecca, when Nicole Laporte wrote the story for us about how this, you know, great squeeze in the entertainment industry is impacting actors, 
So I didn't see any of the pictures of the actors at first when I read the first draft. And then when the pictures were put in, I was like, oh my God, I recognize all these faces. And I can't, <laughs> and I cannot believe all these people who I, like you, you are the kind of face I would like see walking down the street and be like, did I go to college with her? Or yeah. and I, like, you're familiar to me. And, mm-hmm. um, and to think that people whose faces millions and millions of people watch um, would think and to, to have the realization that it's hard even for known quantities to make a living is, was, was stunning to me, but you were on, you were on better things for how long? The great, better things. The great, better things considered one of the prestigious of television. And then you were also a a Disney mom. Is that how they characterize? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Disney mom and on Shameless, which I'm not quite sure how I pulled off. When I got that Disney job, I was like, they they've Googled me, right? That's so funny. So you were, I mean, so you were on two two shows that would be considered top tier television, um, mm-hmm. you know, Better Things and Shameless, and then a, you know a third that is like you know very from Disney, solid family show. Okay, I just want to so that, establish that. So that is that is a career. Just to put this in context, that uh, puts you in the top one millionth of one percent of all the people who have gotten headshot paid for headshots in the world. Like, mm-hmm. like that that like you you are a success by by any measure as a as, as an actor, just in terms of your credits and your career. I mean, it is nice to be reminded of that because I think for a lot of, I know for a lot of us, because I've had these conversations a lot in the last months and even year and years because of COVID, you know, um, it's hard to feel like a success when you're sitting at home for eight months. Um, and uh, on one hand, I think those of us who are in this kind of situation recognize, obviously, you know, there was a time that we wished we were where we are now. And so, Obviously, we know how fortunate we are and 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 never take it for granted. And at the same time, it's impossible not to notice how things are changing. Um, you, you know, you asked if this kind of thing has happened on shows that I've been on, and it certainly has. And there's there's this new thing happening that I feel like we're just starting to talk about, which is streamers. It used to be that in addition to when you booked a good job, a recurring or a series regular, you had a, a good shot of having a job, at least with some frequency for a year or maybe more if you're lucky, but also you would have residuals moving on. If you had a show that was as successful as a shameless or something like that, you could count on some income um, coming in and contributing to your health insurance and your pension and all that kind of stuff moving on. And now um, streamers are taking shows off the platform entirely because efficiency means not paying residuals anymore. So the, the impact of booking a good job for an actor, the long tail of that kind of thing in terms of your ability to sustain a career through uh, dry spells, which we all have, is that's taking a major hit. And that, you know, I saw um, a post from Rachel Bloom just this morning because Hulu canceled Reboot, which I loved. And to anyone, I think, in this business would think was one of the hits of this last season. And she sort of said, like, Am I doing theater where you watch it once and then it's gone forever? And if you weren't there, you don't get to see it. If I wanted to do that, I would go do that. And it, created, that's a really, created by one of the two a, most successful 
sitcom producers of the last 20 years. Steve uh, Levitan. Yeah. Yeah. Did Bonner family. Yeah. And it's just wild to, th- you know, I, I saw that news and I thought, do we not know what a successful show is anymore? Like the metrics that streamers use to define success are, are, you know, sort of notoriously murky and confusing. Um, but I feel like everyone felt like we could ha- say, okay, these 10 shows were very successful and are obvious pickups and to have one of those shows go down is sort of is really disorienting it's like gosh even after the whole thing has aired i don't know if we know whether we were on something successful so right. rebecca I, if, just backing up to when you were getting booked on shameless and uh better things and like it was definitely a more optimistic time in the industry um and uh you know, we have, there are a lot of other actors, well-known actors in this same story where you appeared who have left LA, who can find it, yeah. they cannot afford it. They're concerned about making their minimums to qualify for SAG-AFTRA insurance. So can you just go back and tell us, like, when you made it and you were on a hit series, like, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, I think I can only speak for myself, although I think I think for certain actors, at least this is true, that it doesn't feel like you've made it because you don't know how long the job is. It's all in hindsight. You know, when I booked Shameless, I booked one episode. I didn't know how how long that was going to go. When I booked Better Things, I booked one episode. So and and you never um, you never feel confident that you know how long it's going to go because even if it, okay, you get picked up for a second season then you're like, well, are they going to use me in this season? And then you get a third. And I think for actors who've been in it for a long time, we, we don't take anything for granted. And I, you know, so I kind of transitioned smoothly is maybe a generous term out of full-time day jobs into working. And it was because of, you know, the, the economic bust in 2007, 2008 that I, lost my day job and thought, well, I guess I'm going to try the stable world of acting. And it it managed (laughs) to work out relatively well. And I'm, I'm married to someone who's not an actor. So it was, you know, on a different roller coaster and we've been able to support each other um, through our respective booms and busts. But, um, you know, a lot of it is just luck in hindsight. Like we bought a house in 2007, which was scary for a while. And now sort of feels like, thank God we did because, um, you know, we can afford, yeah, 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 we can afford to stay here. And I see how lucky we are that we, that we did it. And at the time it seemed like a crazy idea. And now here we are. Um, So, I mean, I think, I, and I know actors who I see as much more successful than I am, who I have talked to when their shows have gotten canceled and they experience the same sort of panic of like, is that it? Is this, wh- what is the business like now? Have I done everything I'm going to do? And I think to some degree we build a muscle of sort of going, oh, I recognize this. I've been here before. Um, it never stops being scary and i don't know that most of us ever feel like we've made it really but i'd say there there you know acting has always been a a crazy profession it's always always been uh unstable (laughs) a terrible idea but yes uh not 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 for the faint of heart but (laughs) there was 
there there was a legitimate uh plausible path for people who who were sort of where where you are in your career that that, that this this is how i make this a a a, a real life not just a hobby mm-hmm. here and now the 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 path has just been thrown up in the air and you're just uh hoping to grab a lottery ticket out of the out of the, out of the sky is mm-hmm. what it feels like to me yeah i think that's true i also think um that, you know, when I've talked to actors who are older than me, who are, you know, those faces that you recognize, but whose names you might not know, I've had people tell me like, my God, we used to get paid $10,000 for a single, a one day guest star, or, you know, I don't know how you kids do it now getting 1200 or whatever it is. So, I mean, obviously, and I've, I've gone to some SAG after meetings where people have, have complained about, um, you know, being on 13 episodes and called a recurring and not a series regular or, or the changes that have happened in the business to get us to here. And I think the story has always been that how things are changing. How are, how are we going to make it? And, you know, it's a war of attrition. Some people figure out a way to survive. And and I don't mean figure out as though it's a matter just of smarts. A lot of it is just being lucky enough to, get a good gig at the right moment or be in a category that is, is hitting at the right moment. And um, I have a lot of friends who've left town because they have kids because of all kinds of reasons. And it's just, I, everyone I know is just trying to figure out how, how to find a way through until things do whatever they're going to do, which we don't get to know. And that that twelve hundred number you, re- you you mentioned that's that's a really interesting number that I, I, I that really illustrates just how bad it is. What tell us what that twelve hundred number? Uh, I'm sort of pulling for. that. I don't have I don't have my uh, you know I, it's, it's, rate it's, sheets it's in front I've of heard, me. But oh, is it? I, yeah, that's that's a number I've heard people reference for 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 guest spots, right? Yeah, so so some number of years ago, there was a change in a contract negotiation where there was a, a one-day guest star. So it used to be you were a co-star or you were a guest star. And a guest star meant you were booked for a week, and it was like 5000 or $6,000 or whatever it was. And, um, you know, various parties and various pressures happened, and they carved out something called a one-day guest star, which is a, you know, a sizable role, more sizable than a co-star, but they only have to pay you for one day. So you you play the teacher in a couple scenes there. uh, Yeah, exactly. So you've got three or four scenes and you shove them all into one day and you're done. And it, it, I've done a ton of them. It can be a great way to, you know, get a nice spot on a show. And it's a lot less money than a guest star used to be. Um, $1,200. Something, something in that neighborhood, unless your agent can negotiate you more than that, but that's gone away also. You know, it used to be that you had a quote and it would be okay. So she's 3000 for a one day guest star. And almost everybody now says we're not doing. And, and booking, doing booking one of those parts in itself is a big deal. Like that's that the, the, they don't, they don't just hand them out uh, when you're walking they, down <laughs> the boulevard. No, they, they don't just hand them out. And I think when things contract this way, um, one of the things that happens is that bigger, more recognizable actors are willing to do those things because they just pop in for a day. It's not a big commitment and they pop out. So those are the kinds of roles that actually get more competitive for for working actors because you've got people who previously were on Broadway or might be between seasons of a series regular who go, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll grab that and get a little money for the day. And it's like, 
okay, I mean, I needed that to get my health insurance this year. Oh, God. So, well, Rebecca, I, I thought I would love to just um, walk through some of the points in the story about things that have changed uh, in the business um, that are creating this scenario where actors are getting paid far less money. And it's, and so I think one of the themes was that all actors assume a level of risk. They know that you either make, you could, you're going to make it, maybe you won't make it, but the rules of the game have changed dramatically. Um, yeah. So uh, I, so maybe we can go through some of these point by point, um, shorter seasons. Mm-hmm. So what, how is that changing life? For um, well, it means you're unemployed more. And for some of those stretches, you have either total limits or some limits on what kind what work you're able to take. You know, if you're on a series regular contract and you're shooting eight episodes a season, you're not shooting for more of the year than you are, but there may be something in your contract that an exclusivity clause that you can't work or you can't audition, or if you do, you have to run it past them. And, um, and there are no limits on how long they can take to tell you whether you're getting another season. I think SAG-AFTRA is working on some legislation to change that. Um, but, and, and, and this is true for writers. I'm sure you, if you talk to writers, you'll get this too, that, um, you know, a regular staff or series regular role on a show used to mean you were off the market and employed until that show got canceled. And that is not true anymore. Well, you know, the, Richard Robichaud, one of the actors also in the story that Nicole wrote, um, who is a very recognizable face. And he talked about being cast in on Big Shot, which is a very well-received Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. And and then because of COVID, things got delayed, delayed, delayed in production, and he could not go get another job, but wasn't getting paid for the in-between. And, you know, he made the joke, Disney didn't want me to go play a pedophile on True Detective. Um, well, you know, yeah. in, in, and so, uh, and it's worth noting, he has left Los Angeles now. He no longer lives, he lives in Austin. Um, mm-hmm. So that was, a, that was a good um, example. Okay, the next one, which you spoke really interestingly about um, in the story was virtual castings. Mm. Yeah, I mean, people are all over the place on this. A lot of people love it, self-taping. You audition from your house at your convenience um, and it certainly has its its pros. But for me, um I miss acting is fundamentally about human connection, right? And if you're just acting into your phone, um, you don't you don't get the the sort of ritual of 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 the preparation and the waiting room. Like now, when we have in person auditions, you can't get actors out of the waiting room because we're so excited to see each other and just like talk to another human being <laughs> and to read with someone who can give you notes. Like it, right now, it feels a little bit like a crapshoot. You do one read, and hopefully that's what they wanted. And if it isn't, um, you you'll just never hear from them again. When it's like in the past, if you were in the room with someone from casting or God help you, a producer, they could say that was great. Can you give me a little more recognition on this line, or can you give me a pivot in this moment? And you would go like, of course, that is my job, and do it, and then you could book the job. But but. Without that opportunity, it feels like a bit of a crapshoot that you're, you're, you know, kind of guessing as to their vision for what you're reading for. And that makes things a lot harder. And also right. rapport with casting directors, I think, too, who just like would think of you for if you're just bantering before the audition or whatever, they just see your personality and they just get to know, who, you know, like, oh, not right for this, but I have another thing I'm working on where if you're just sitting in a tape in, 
and you don't know the casting director already, you know, that that's lost, right? I mean, that's a big part Absolutely. of how casting directors work, right? Absolutely. And I and I think someone someone spoke to this in the article, but like part of part of the casting process is not just can this person do the role, but do I want to spend 16 hours a day on set with this person? Is their energy crazy? Is there, right. you know, do they seem like someone I want to be around? And that comes from the banter beforehand and just the, you know, it's the difference between online and in-person dating. Like someone can look <laughs> great on screen, but when you get into a space with them and feel their energy and go, oh God, no. Or, oh, I really like vibe with this person. Casting is the same. And to not be able to have a couple of minutes in a room with somebody, you're really throwing a, a lot more, uh, leaving a lot more of it to chance. Well, there's also, there are a million stories about someone who came in and read for one role, but then, you know, then they decided later, like the casting people, they would be great actually right. for this other role. Can I mean, you read this role instead? Yeah. How about these? Exactly, Janice. That's a hundred. Yeah. 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 For plenty of those stories. That well, happened to me on Better Things. Wow. I, I read and they sort of set me out with a different script and brought me back in and you get that experience of like, oh, we know we like this person, but we're not sure for what. Let's keep trying. And it's just a much clunkier process. And for the actor, you don't get to hear any of it. So you just, you know, pour your heart into a role, throw it across We Transfer and sit there. And if you don't hear anything, you don't know if it's because no one watched it or they loved you and you were second in line. It's just, you know, right. It's a, 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 a real exercise in faith. You know, the other part of it, I, is when they're calling for uh, video auditions, they can uh, they can see so many more people for uh, mm-hmm. for a part, which me, which which is which is great for them that they can suddenly have twenty times as many uh, 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 people to look at. But it means that you are going up for twenty times as many parts. You're sending in for twenty times as many parts, and it's it's more work on you to. Uh... Yeah, except that it doesn't feel like we're going out for twenty times as many parts. So I'm not sure how the math is working. <laughs> I've also, I mean, I've also seen this was a commercial casting director on social media a few months ago who was like, "Hey guys, we're not really into gray backgrounds right now. We're into blue backgrounds." So if you could, <laughs> and I couldn't help myself. I was like, "Hey, we're not taking requests." Like we've already <laughs> taken on the facilities, the audio, the video. Like if you don't want to book me because of the color of my background, be my guest. But th- that is a, a, a bridge too far for me. Um, and then the we know we know the impacts of consolidation, so we don't need to ask you about that because um, you're seeing it in your paydays. Um, but I thought this other point I hadn't really thought about was that Nicole called them A-ish list actors, but, you know, um, Mm -hmm. they are now the ones who will take bit roles. Um, They will take, they they are, they want to work too. And uh, so those roles are going to some of the biggest names working right now. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's something flattering. I I mean, I think it depends on my state of mind in a given moment, but you audition for something. And if it's something you connected with or you really wanted, you might wait and keep in mind that when it comes out, you sort of go, oh, I wonder who, who booked that. And sometimes if it's someone whose work you love and who you admire, it's like, okay, well, I don't mind losing a role. Like, you know, I read for Paula Pell's role in Girls 5 Eva. I can't be mad about losing a role to Paula Pell, but... 
but you do look and see like oh my god they got that person for that like that didn't even seem like that huge an opportunity but i I mean i think it just goes to show you and i think actors know this that no actor feels as solid and secure and successful as it seems like they do in interviews right like there's the pr side of what we do and there's the reality of what we do and i think the reality is that except for the people who can afford to live on what they have for the rest of their lives everyone's afraid they're never going to work again that's just that's mm. part of what we accept when we take choose this path. Yep. Uh, and then one last point I want to raise and to see if you have thoughts about it. It kind of ties into the A-list stars taking TV roles, but packaging seems to be the way mm. that things get serious get ordered now, which is dependent on big name actors. Is that right? I think so. I mean, I've been with the same boutique agency for a long, long time, and I love it because I can get them on the phone and there's not, you know, it's not a big packaging agency. But I definitely wonder if there are opportunities I'm missing because I'm not getting, like, tossed in as an ingredient to some big deal that people are putting together. Um, There are there those parts of the business I feel sort of grateful not to have to worry about too much. There's nothing I can do about it. If something's getting packaged, then that's how the smaller roles or the supporting roles are getting cast. Then that's how they're doing it. And I have to, I really do believe though, that still for the most part, the cream rises to the top and casts that are put together of good actors where some time was taken in the casting process. And it's not just a matter of putting deals together. Um, Ultimately, I think those projects stand out Um, whether they stand out in a way that means people can keep paying their bills and and stay in this career is another question that i think remains to be seen but um you know i think we're all taking it one day at a time and and trying to trust that the work we've done until this point will will yield something moving forward Rebecca, I'm curious, you know, look, streaming's not going away, clearly. The model's not going back to network television, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No one's under that illusion or like, oh, you know, this is going to change. But what do you think can be done to, you know, know, all the guilds are coming up for renewals with, you know, for their new deals. What is a realistic thing that you think maybe could be done to help working actors in the business that hey you know what i get i'm not getting a 22 episode order anymore i understand that mm-hmm. but maybe one or two things that would really help you or your people you know or is there something you think that would uh, be helpful to ask for in these uh, negotiations i mean i think you know easy for me to say i do think this is a challenge that sag after has faced a hundred times cable you know used to not pay the residuals like we've gone through this cycle before um it's going to be about shoring up residuals, especially for, um, you know, there are the big streamers and then there are the smaller proprietary streamers, Showtime Anytime, which isn't going to exist anymore. So who cares? But like finding ways to build residuals into um, new distribution venues and new new formulas. And if if we're going to do, you know, super short seasons, we have to fix the exclusivity. We have to make sure actors are free to work when we're not working on whatever project we're signed on to and making sure we're being paid enough when we are working that we can stay in this career um, to be cast again. If 
you know, there are efficiencies that make sense. I worked on a Netflix show where they didn't take lunch and they just paid meal penalties all day. Like, right. stop doing that. That's an efficiency that makes sense. Um, but if your efficiency is not paying residuals to actors who therefore can't afford to stay in the union, that's not actually an efficiency because you're cutting off your talent pool. So like finding yeah. finding which efficiencies make sense and making sure that everyone can get their bills paid. Um, and it sounds like boohoo actors can't pay their bills, but I think that's truer than people realize. Yeah. Even working actors can't, it's not even, you know, yeah. you know yeah. people who do book gigs are still, you know, in this situation. So yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Janice. Just one last question before we um, let Rebecca hopefully get onto a day of auditions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, your Zoom, I'm, I'm clearly sorry, yes. camera ready. <laughs> um, I saw the cat you mentioned, one of your cats walking by, by the way, that you mentioned in the story. Um, yeah, those are going to be in my auditions and people will just have to deal with it. Yeah, uh, clearly. Um, <laughs> but how, how long, how long are you going to stick this out? Like, what's the, what's the tipping point for you? I don't think there is one for me. Like I do this, I do this because this is who I am and I love it. You know, will I go like do theater at the Berkshires one of these days? Sure. Maybe. Um, But for me, I don't have kids. So I don't, I'm not a lot of my friends who have left town have kids and have to figure out how to keep them in school, how to, you know, that is a whole different set of challenges that, um, that I have chosen not to give myself. I have other challenges, whatever. Um, but I think it's a it, really the challenge is find a way to like my life while being able to support myself. And I, there's going to be ways to do that. It's just going to take some figuring out. Um, and I think that calculation is different for everybody. So I'm not going anywhere. Call my agent. Um, <laughs> but what that's going to look like is is the open question. Well, we wish you the best of luck, you and all actors who are trying to make it in a really weird and hard time. Thanks. And I appreciate you shining this this light on us and on various people in the industry because again, I think it's it's something people don't understand and why would they need to? But um it is Im- important to talk about. So I appreciate you guys doing that. Is to uh, be more efficient. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck with your 2023 efficiency, uh, Rebecca. So, yeah, we'll, uh, Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Uh, all right, Janice, anything else you want to get to this week? Or we feel, uh, I don't know, we've used efficiency I, enough, I think. I uh, think we're going to be efficient. Right? Yeah, let's be efficient and, and continue the, the theme of the podcast. Rebecca, thank you again for joining us. Uh, <laughs> and remember, you can subscribe to the Ankler. Uh, are you doing more squeezes, Janice, or uh, what? One more uh, about one executives, more. which oh, you know, my. as I think we use the phrase "tiny violins" in uh, in the piece. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, those guys, I don't feel bad for. No, <laughs> but executives are people too, and they're That's right. <laughs> and they're feeling a squeeze, or at least some of them. So um, that yeah. that's the that's the last one for now in the series. More to come. All right, we can catch that and more, of course, at the Ankler. You can subscribe at theankler.com and you can follow us on socials at the Ankler. Uh, Richard and Janice, thanks for joining. Rebecca, thank you for joining as well, and uh, we'll see you next week. 